So in today's episode, I'm going to talk about a mindset that I stole from LeBron James, and I'm going to tell you how I am using that mindset to build myself a successful body. All right, so I have a confession to make. I can't stand following the herd because if I do, then the best that I can be is average, and I have zero interest in average. I want remarkable And the only way to do that is to think different. So I'm studying game changers, trailblazers, rule breakers, awesome makers, and those crazy ones who are looking to change the world and sharing what I've learned so you can make remarkable happen in your life. My name is Dean Dwyer, and this is The Mindset Show. Hey, how are you doing? Dean Dwyer. Welcome to the Mindset Show. I am your hostess with the mostess. I don't even know what that means or why I just said that. Uh, If you're new to the show, um, I am the creator of the website mentalstuffing.com mindsets to master your mind. You may want to go over there, check that out. If you're not on my email list, there's going to be all kinds of goodies coming your way. So, um, I'm going to recommend you get on it, but I'll leave that up to you. Anyhow, um, how are you doing? I hope you're doing well. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for today's episode. Honestly, I'm excited for every episode that I do, but uh, there's something, you put a mic in front of me and I'm telling you, I just become this different person. I, I've never met a microphone that I have not liked. Anyhow, um, as I said, I'm excited about the show. This one, um, I feel like this, every time I do one of these, sorry, I'm, I, I've got a gazillion things I want to come out at once. Um, one of the my mindsets around this podcast idea is essentially testing out ideas. Uh, for things that uh, may eventually become products, they could become keynote speeches that I give. And so uh, I want to play around. There's a couple of concepts that I'm going to introduce today that um, have been really, really valuable for me. And I believe that they're going to be really, really valuable for you. And so uh, some new content that I, well, every show is new content, but um, I'm uh, I'm excited to kind of share that with you. So before I get to that, however, um, if you listened to last week's episode, and if you didn't, why didn't you listen to it? Huh? Why? I'm just kidding. You obviously can listen to it whenever you get the choice that you also don't have to listen to it. Anyhow, if you did listen to last week's episode, um, I made a mistake. Uh, at um, I mentioned a book. And when I mentioned the book, there was a mistake that I made. I'm going to play the clip for you right now. Um, you have to listen really, really closely to see if you can pick up what the mistake is. And you may not even consciously pick it up, but I I, I bet you that subconsciously, uh, your subconscious is like, whoa, that is not right. So see if you can figure out what the mistake is. There's, you need to, there's also a little bit of context, so I'm, I'm almost setting you up for failure, but uh, have a listen and then I'll come back and I'll tell you what the, what the mistake was. I'm actually reading a book right now, which I really like. It's called uh, Turn the Ship Around, and it's by L. David Marquette. Uh, the subtitle is A True Story of Turning Leaders into Followers. So um, were you able to figure it out? 
Anyhow, I uh, I had to laugh because I was I always re-listen to my shows a couple of times, looking to see how I can do things better, and again looking to see if there were mistakes that I made and things I can improve on. And I think it was the second time that I was listening to it. So this was I had already edited the show, and then I was listening to it a couple of times just um, um, off my off my um, podcast app. Wow, that was really hard to get out. And um, I I literally laughed out loud. So the mistake was, the book is Turn the Ship Around, How to Turn Followers into Leaders. But I didn't say that. I said how to turn leaders into (laughs) into followers. What a kind of a book is that? That's a terrible book. That's like saying, hey, how to how to go from six pack abs to obesity in 30 days. Like that's a that's just a terrible, terrible book. Anyway, I literally laughed out loud when I made that mistake. And the perfectionist in me wanted to go back in and edit that out so that the mistake was gone. And I thought, nope. I thought, first of all, most people are not even going unless you're intimately familiar with the book you're not going to know that there was a mistake there um and secondly most people are not even going to notice the mistake and third there'll be a few people who do and it may they may or may not say anything but most people don't even say anything anyhow so i thought you know what i'm just going to leave it and we'll see if anybody actually picked it up and uh we'll go from there but anyway i i laughed out loud at that and uh I thought classic Dean, classic, classic Dean. Anyhow, listen, let's um, uh, let's jump into the show. And before I get into my uh, my story, let me just sort of set up for you what I what my plan is uh, for this episode. So I have essentially what I'm going to do today is I'm going to walk you through a case study of a recent postmortem that I did on me. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you the story and then I'm going to go into teaching mode and I'm actually going to break down, um, a postmortem into three essential components that a great postmortem should have. And then I'm going to walk you through those different elements for me in this particular story that I'm sharing. Uh, and then I'm going to turn it back. I'm just going to turn it back around and I'm going to sort of shine the spotlight on you in terms of, uh, how you can take this information and use it in your life. So with that, let's head on over to the story. So once upon a time, about three years ago, um, I got into this really, really bad habit. I started eating at night. And when I say at night, I'm talking about go to bed at 11, wake up anytime between 1 and 4 o'clock and eat. And it could be sometimes it might be fruit, it might be nuts. Um, Other times I was more ambitious, I was making eggs. But the reason that that started was I began suffering sleep issues. By the way, you will notice I am not using the I word because I do believe that language uh, is important. The kind of language that we use, the kind of self-talk that we use can also create situations we actually don't want. So I had a sleep issue um, and I had it for, I'm going to say two or three months and it got pretty bad. Like it got to the point where there was a bit of anxiety around it. Like I would, I started to dread nighttime because I was like, oh man, 
you know, I got to go to bed soon. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to sleep or I, I mean, I was hoping that I, I could. But again, there was this fear and anxiety. But, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to sleep. And I don't know if you've ever had sleep issues. Um, it's a weird like it's weird because it's the middle of the night. It's definitely quiet. Nobody's up. It's it's and it's just you and your thoughts. And it's funny. Your brain can do some some crazy things to you. And I, I remember having this thought of like, what if, what if this is the new normal? What if I, what if I can never get to sleep again? Anyhow, so one of the, so I, I had this going on, I said for about two or three months. And, and one of the ideas I came up with was to eat, but there was, there was actually a, a, I had, I had a, a rationale behind it. I had, there was a mindset sort of behind it. And the way I was thinking about it was, I was kind of thinking about it sort of in the context of, you know, at Thanksgiving when you eat uh, and you eat so much that you um, that you're like you're tired. You want to go to bed afterwards. I was kind of thinking along that lines, but not like eating a ton. But I just my thinking was if I eat, then my digestive system has to kick into action and the energy that's required to digest my food is actually going, that energy is going to be taken away from whatever's keeping me up and that that in turn would tire me out. Now, I'm not saying that that's uh, based on anything other than just just me. That was my rationale behind why I I thought that I should eat. And it, it kind of worked. I, there were nights that it did work, but to be honest, was it because I was eating? Probably not. What, what ended up happening was um, I would usually go to bed around 11-ish and then I would wake up around one, almost like clockwork. And then for about three or four hours, it was just rolling around and, and, and sort of maybe, I don't know, I didn't feel like I got any sleep at all, but you know, I might've been sleeping for 15 or 20 or 30 minutes or whatever, but not a deep, not a deep sleep. In fact, I even had a week where it got so bad that I, I woke up and I immediately got dressed and there was a, a 24 hour a day or night, <laughs> coffee shop, uh, not far from my home. So I would go there. I would go there and I would do work from one until four and then I would come home. I did that for about a week. And let me tell you, there's some interesting folks at the coffee shop between one and 4 a.m. Not uh, not your desired crowd. Let's put it that way. So anyway, so, so this has been going, this was going on, uh, this started about three years ago. I have since... Um, overcome my sleep issues for the most part. Uh, there's still times that uh, it raises its ugly head. I don't know why I'm 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 speaking so slowly now, but there are times that it does sort of come back. But uh, it doesn't have the anxiety attached to it that it once did. Um, you know, I, I was sort of able to kind of work through that and and again sort of tame my own mind so that it wasn't running wild. But the the habit of of eating at night has never gone away. I usually wake up two or three times during the night. Now that's I'm going to say mostly because I have a cat, um, and he wakes me up. And what I something and it's not his fault. He's trained me to do this, but he's 18 years old. Um, he so for example, last night woke me up at two, and I fed him, and then he woke me up again at five, and I fed him, and I started doing that when he was a kitten because he was meowing, and that's been going on for 18 years. So uh, you know, so I I never sleep through the night. But when uh, I get up to feed him, I also feed myself. So I some nights I will I usually only eat once, but I've had some. I know one night I woke up three times and I had something to eat three times. Anyhow, all this to say, I got into this really really bad habit. But 
Um, last, uh, sorry, at, at the beginning of the year, I put this whole new protocol in place for myself. It's called the successful body. I'm not going to go into a ton. Um, actually, I'm not going to go into it much at all today, other than to tell you just sort of the premise behind the successful body. First of all, it's deliberately named. I'm calling it the successful body as opposed to, uh, see, most of us, when we want to change how we look, we focus on weight loss. My issue has always been that there are lots of really crazy things you can do to lose weight. Um, You can have surgery, you can starve yourself, you can develop an eating disorder. Like there's, there's a lot of negatives that come when you just focus on that outcome. But for me, it wasn't just that. It's not that I want to transform, wasn't just about transforming my body. It was also about create, like this is a vehicle for my future. I'm looking at creating something that is healthy, i.e. disease-free, and something that's highly functional. Like I want it to be extremely useful, not just now, but in my 60s, my 70s, my 80s, my 90s, my 200s. Okay, maybe I'm overreaching a little bit, but the point is I want something that's highly functional. So rather than focusing on some crazy outcome, I've built this protocol called the successful body, which takes all those things into account. So I'm focusing on there's eating aspects, there's movement aspects, there's mindset aspects, there's all sorts of aspects that go into this. Um, And what I've created is a scorecard for myself. And every single day, there are 10 vital behaviors on my scorecard that I then evaluate, give myself a score, and then I I evaluate anything that didn't get a perfect score. At the top of my list, so I'll tell you one of my my 10 vital behaviors, is intermittent, sorry, I'm getting emotional. I'm not, intermittent fasting. So uh, intermittent fasting is essentially that you go a period of time without eating. Now, I've been intermittent fasting, and I'm going to put that in quotation marks, for about two years. And what I mean by that is I've kind of been doing it. Um, essentially, is like whenever I have my last meal, I typically don't have my, my first meal the next day until sometime after noon. So usually, you know, one or two o'clock before I have my first meal. But I could never tell you exactly how long I fasted because it always depended on uh, – because I was eating in the middle of the night. So, you know, if I had something at 2.30, then maybe I had a 12-hour fast if I ate at, you know, 2.30 the next day. But it could have been one o'clock. So maybe it was 10 and a half hours. My point being that I was sort of fasting, but but I had no idea. I wasn't actually – calculating the hours uh, each day that I was in fact fasting. So I decided that I was going to master, my goal for 2019 was to master intermittent fasting. And the rule that I put in place for myself is that I would fast for 16 hours. And I felt that that was within my capabilities because essentially I have been technically fasting for two years. So it's not it's not an entirely new concept to me. I just don't know. Uh, I definitely hadn't been doing 16 hours, but I thought it was within my skill level that I could, in fact, do 16 hours. So the way that I approached this was, again, the goal was 16 hours, but um, I gave myself a window of 14 to 16 hours. So 14 would give me a perfect score, but ideally I was shooting for 16. So I had... I, I 
because again, 16 was, was, even though I have been fasting, 16 was a long stretch. I thought, well, then I'll, I'll kind of work my way up to 16, but 14 will be, 14 is acceptable at this point in time, knowing that again, I, I it's a skill that I'm practicing. Uh, it's something that I'm going to get better at. I'm going to have, you know, success or failure fairly consistently for the first month or two until I work out all the bugs. But I was actually, I was actually able to fairly quickly move into 16 hours. I, I began to discover that the, that the extra two hours between hour 14 and hour 16 is where, for me, magic happens when your stomach is empty. And so I thought, you know, that two hours actually makes a big difference. I believe like an exponential difference. So I thought it would behoove me. Thank you, Brock Armstrong, for that word. Uh, it would behoove me to actually really work on mastering 16 hours. So again, 16 hours means no eating at night. And that's been a real challenge. But I had three nights in a row where I did 16 hours, did not eat in the middle of the night. And then last week, this happened. And in the first three days of 16-hour fasting, no problem at all not having anything to eat. And so there was a part of me in my brain where I thought, I think I got this under control, which is when I always get myself in trouble. Um, and so I wake up this about 2.30, or no, sorry, it was 1.30 on early Sunday morning, and suddenly I have this, I'm hungry. Now I've already, I've completed my scorecard for the day. So um, for my scorecard, there's 10 items. A perfect score is three. And then a perfect score for the day is 30. I had 30 out of 30. So I have completed my day 30 out of 30. And now suddenly I have this thought of like, oh man, I'm hungry. And I'm, I'm, I'm downstairs, my food's upstairs. So I'm standing in the doorway and I'm leaning uh, on the door on the door frame and I'm there's this debate going on in my head should I eat should I not eat and then I kind of think I've got myself convinced that I'm not going to eat and suddenly I decide that I'm going to eat and I go upstairs and I ended up having um so one of my treats that I've added to my diet that which which works for everything that I've for all my criteria are something called epic bars they are delicious and literally all natural, not all natural, but you know, unnatural things in it. All natural. It's only six ingredients. Fantastic. Um, I ended up having two more of those, which is about five hundred calories and about fifty extra carbs. And then I had two bowls of frozen blueberries. Yum, uh, which is also one of my treats. And um, I put uh, half and half cream in it. If you let it sit for about a minute, the cream gets slushy. And then it's almost like an ice cream. Also, delicious. Uh, I ended up adding about 700 more calories to my my uh, my food log and blew my carb total right out of the water. Anyhow, I ended up going from having a perfect score the next morning. I had to... I had to get up and I had to readjust my scorecard. And now I had a score out of 23 out of 30, which is not cool. So here's what I'd like to do. I want to walk you through the postmortem that I did to figure out how to correct that mistake that I made. So... To do an effective postmortem, I, I talked about this on a previous show, but I didn't actually go into any of the 
uh, criterion that's required for a postmortem. So I'm going to share with you three elements of a postmortem that I believe are essential. And so here's the first one. You have to determine whether you have a what problem or a how problem. Now, before I explain what that means, I want to tell you a story about how I got this, how this idea came about. So I was reading the, I believe it was the foreword for a book called The Four Disciplines. Uh, No, wait, it's The Four Disciplines of Execution. Okay, now we already know I've got problems with titles. So uh, maybe it's The Four Disciplines of an Effective execution. Okay, that's a completely different book. It's The Four Disciplines of Execution. And the foreword was by a guy by the name of Clayton Christensen, best-selling author known mostly for um, his thoughts on innovation. And Andy Grove had hired uh, Clayton Christensen to come and to work with him and, and his team at Intel based on these ideas of innovation that he had. So Christensen is telling the story about, you know, he starts sort of describing the, this model of innovation that he has to Andy Grove and, and Andy Grove listens for a few minutes and then he kind of stops him and he's really frustrated. And he's like, I know what to do. He said, you're telling me what to do. I know what to do. I don't know how to do it. And I read that line and I was like, whoa, mind blown. I don't know if that's an explosion or not, but that's my explosion. But anyway, mind blown. But this was another one of these ideas where I was like, man, this is so profound. However... I didn't know what to do with it until today. So the first thing that I had to figure out is, did I have a what problem or did I have a how problem? Now, a what problem in its simplest form is that you don't know what to do. Let's say, for example, um, I want I buy a guitar and I want to learn how to play the guitar, but I don't have any music lessons. You know, I have no music books that are going to show me chords. So I don't know what to do. So at this point in time, I have a what problem because I don't have any resources that are going to help me play this guitar. Most of us, unless we are brand new to, we're just being introduced to something, most of us already know what to do. Weight loss is a great example of this. Most of us know what to do. We don't have a what problem. What we have is a how problem. And so for me... I knew what I needed to do. I needed to do 16 hours of fasting and I needed to make sure that I wasn't eating in the middle of the night, that I had to figure out a way to break this bad habit I had. So I didn't have a what problem. I had a how problem. I didn't know how to fight off these feelings, these urges, these cravings to eat in the middle of the night. So that was the first thing was that I figured out that I had a how problem. So earlier I said that uh, when I first heard about this idea, uh, you know, of a, you know, I know what to do, but I don't know how to do it. I didn't know what how meant. I was like, I thought they were this, I thought they were synonymous. I thought what and how were the same. What I have come to believe now is that how is the thinking part of the, of a problem. You don't know how to think about it in a way that will encourage the behaviors that you want. That's your how problem. And so for me, 
this is where my mindset model comes into play. So last week, I'm just going to do a quick review, but last week I introduced my mindset model, which is again, there are three concentric circles. And the first circle is mindset. And the second circle is behavior. And in the outer circle, the third circle is outcomes. So mindset is the root cause of every success we have and every failure that we have. How we think dictates how we behave and how we behave dictates the outcomes that we produce. So for me, when I'm doing a postmortem on that, it's like I have a thinking problem. I am, I am thinking about this in a way that is encouraging me to continue to eat at night. And so this was what I needed to do. When I was doing my postmortem the next day and I was thinking about it, I thought, okay, I have a thinking problem. I need to identify what I was thinking in that moment just before I decided it was a good idea to eat at night. So most of us focus on what we did. And I would say, oh, I ate this stuff I shouldn't have ate. Um, I got to make sure not to do that again. We're not, we're seldom ever successful with that because we have not addressed the mindset at play. So for me, I had to do a mental replay. So I, I literally that morning, I sat down. I'm like, okay, what was I thinking at that moment that, that pushed me over the edge to say, yes, it's a good idea. And it's funny, I, I sat down for a few seconds and then it all sort of, the replay all kind of came back and I remember exactly what ran through my mind. So as I was standing in the door frame and I'm thinking, should I eat, should I not eat? I suddenly, I had this thought about a guy who I interviewed on my first show, the Makeshift Happen show. I cannot for the life of me remember his name now. Really good guy, he was in the health space, had made a ton of money, but he had created a product. I, I'm, I, I can't remember exactly now what the product was, but it was something to the effect that he had discovered that for him, uh, he could sort of just, he could overeat. One day a week, he could overeat and he could eat things like donuts and stuff like that. And that if he disciplined himself six days a week of clean eating and in a day of overeating, that he actually found that he got better results that way. And as I'm standing in the doorframe, that story comes into my head. And I suddenly say to myself, hey, maybe, maybe I can have one day where I overeat. And maybe today is that day. So I can, um, you know, I'll, I'll have those bars and then I'll have the blueberries and that's my overeating day. And that's how I will rationalize this. And so that's exactly what I ended up doing. And so when I was thinking about it the next day, I thought, first of all, um, there was a rule that came out of that. I, I discovered that, um, See, that was the, there were a bunch of mistakes I made. But the first mistake that I made was that I created a new rule on the fly to rationalize my lousy behavior. So in, the, in an instant, because I wanted to eat, I came up with this, this idea of like, yes, I will have an overeating day. And so my rule that I put in place, so I mentioned to you earlier, I have a scorecard for success. I also have a handbook of success secrets. So when I discover something, I create a rule for it so that um, hopefully I won't repeat this mistake Again, now I probably will as I begin to sort of develop it out and, and, and get better at it. But the first thing is to acknowledge the new rule. And the new rule was I cannot 
put new rules in on the fly to rationalize bad behavior. What I can do and what I should have done in that moment was I thought, hmm, you know what? What about having an overeating day? That might be something to consider. And I can consider it for the following week. But I can't just put it in to rationalize my lousy behavior, which is exactly what I did. So so there was a new rule that, that I put in. But the other thing was sort of recognizing the fact that my mindset was, yeah, yeah, it's okay to overeat. So now I had identified exactly what I was thinking that encouraged me to behave in a way that did not meet the outcomes that I was looking to produce. So that leads to the third aspect of how to do a great postmortem. And the third aspect is once you've identified the offending mindset, now you need to adopt a new one. So I was, oh, sorry. And let me just, let me just give you a little bit more backstory. Um, I don't think that the concept of having an overeating day, whatever that means for people, it's going to mean something different for everybody else. I don't think that's a terrible concept, but it's a terrible concept for me because I know what I'm like. I've, I've been around long enough to know that that idea begins to bleed into uh, other days of the week, but also other aspects of my life that I start using that idea in other areas. And I just don't have the wiggle room, especially when it comes to my body. Um, I don't say this uh, as a boo-hoo-hoo, poor me, but I don't have a very forgiving body. I can't get, I cannot get away with nearly as much as other people can, and I don't see that as a as a bad thing. I think that's actually a great thing because it keeps me. It really, um, I, I have to be extremely disciplined. I'm not saying that I I have been, but it forces me to be extremely disciplined by recognizing I just don't have that kind of wiggle room. Um, so I don't complain about it. It's not like, oh, I can't get away with that. It's like, I can't. I just I just can't do that. So for me, that's a bad idea. For somebody else, it could be a great idea. But recognizing that was a bad idea for me. So what was the new mindset that I was going to adopt? And as I was sitting there, LeBron James popped into my head. So now if you're not familiar with LeBron James, arguably one of the, the greatest basketball player of all time, um, Fascinating guy. I uh, LeBron James fascinates me, not just as a basketball player, but how he trains to be a basketball player, how he runs his life, how he runs his business, how he makes his decisions. Fascinating guy. So I read a lot uh, on him. I listened to a podcast recently with Tim Ferriss. I believe this was an article, and I do not know where the article came from. But in this article, they talked about the fact that LeBron James, and he is a physical specimen. Like, this dude is in great shape. Um He's like a machine. And in the article, they mention that LeBron James stays in shape year-round. And the reason he does that is that if he never falls out of shape, he never has to worry about getting back into shape. And this was another one of those... (laughs) Sorry, it's a terrible sound effect. I may need to add a sound effect there. But anyway, again, mind-blown. I thought, wow... First of all, I love it because it's completely counterintuitive to how everybody else does things. Most athletes, again, in the off season, they let themselves go for a couple of months and then they start picking it up again. But for him, it was about this idea of never being out of shape. And I love that. And I thought I, I can steal that concept and I can use it for discipline so that so I was calling it my LeBron James mindset. And for me, 
I'm very visual. So I needed to get, I need to be able to get a picture of the ideas that I'm thinking about. And so, you know, picturing LeBron James, again, this physical specimen, this machine who, who stays in shape year round, I thought I need to be in peak mental discipline. I need to have peak mental discipline um, for the entire week, not six days a week, not six and a half days a week, uh, seven days a week, 365 days a year for whatever number of years that I'm on the planet. That's the way that I have to approach this. And so my new mindset was, and the way that I was going to sort of uh, make this work was that if I woke up in the middle of the night and I wanted to eat, I needed to take myself back to my LeBron James mindset and think of his story about being in peak physical condition year-round and connect that to me being in peak disciplined condition, peak mental disciplined condition, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So that that is the new mindset that I've adopted. Now, I am super early in this process. But it, and again, I think as of this recording, I have now gone uh, five days in a row without eating at night. Uh, what's been interesting was the next night, after I came up with a new mindset, the next night there was a mental battle going on, which I won. Woohoo! Um, the last four nights I have not thought about it at all. And so uh, now I'm not, I'm not saying I have the problem solved because I know me and I know that. At some point, it's it's those ugly habits always rear you know their ugly head, but I now have a mindset in place that I can I can bring myself to to hopefully encourage the outcome that I want. If if it doesn't if if something happens and I I I manage to override it with my overeating mindset. Um, then that's where my, you know, again, another postmortem, I need to tweak something. Maybe I need some other strategy, but it's worked well right now. Uh, I've gone five days in a row without eating at night. Um, I've gone 10 days in a row now doing my 16 hour fast. It's becoming more and more effortful, effortful, effortless. There we go. There we go. That's like the book, eh? How to turn leaders into followers. What is wrong with my brain today? This is crazy. Anyhow, that's the end of my story. So let's do a quick summary just to, um, uh, cause there was a lot, there's a lot there that, uh, I kind of threw at you today. Um, but I want to, again, I want to sort of direct this back to you. So um, if you are struggling with something, so pick an area, pick, th- pick the problem that is giving you the most anguish right now, whatever that may be, could be in any area of your life. Determine if you have a what problem or a how problem. If it's a what problem, then find the resources that will help you begin to do whatever it is you're trying to do. If it's a how problem, then you need to go to step number two. You need to start paying attention to your thinking in these moments when you behave in ways that are not in alignment with the outcomes that you're looking to produce. So you need to do a mental replay, which is like to think about like, what was I thinking about? What came to mind? What 
ideas began to float into my head that encouraged me to behave the way that I did. Now, it'll be hard because sometimes these things are so instantaneous, they're so ingrained in our DNA that we're not even aware that we're thinking of something. And so you, you, you'll you have to do some digging to really kind of get at what that root mindset is that's causing you to behave the way that you are. And then once you've figured that out, then you can begin the process of developing a new mindset, a new way to think about this thing that will help push you in the direction that you want to go to begin delivering on the outcomes that you are looking to create in your life. So that's the story of how I stole a LeBron James mindset and used it to help me to begin building my successful body. What could you steal from this podcast that would help you build your successful blank? And you can fill in that blank with whatever word that you want that's applicable to you and the life that you're living. I'm going to leave you to noodle on that, my friend. Thanks so much for listening. And hey, keep being awesome. See you next time. So that is it for today's episode. But before you go, let me leave you with two things. First, what's the one big thing you took from this show? It could be something I said, but it could also be something completely unrelated that bubbled to the surface while listening. Don't ignore your thoughts. If they clawed their way to the surface of your gray matter, then it means they're important. Acknowledge them, honor them, and act on them if possible. Second, would you consider leaving a review? If so, here's my offer. Copy your iTunes review and send it to me via email with the subject line, my iTunes review. And in return, I'm going to send you a thank you audio, which will include me reading your review out loud with my authentic real-time response of how your words have impacted me. I don't know about you, but I think that's going to be awesome. Anyhow. That's it, my friend. I have to bounce. (laughs) Listen to me trying to be one of the cool kids. Have a great rest of today. And remember, you're just one mindset away from a bigger, more awesome future. I'm Dean Dwyer, and you were listening to The Mindset Show.